0: and that we would be obedient to your voice. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, anyway, we uh, have been in this series. We just started it last week, uh, Barrier Breaking Faith. And and uh, last week we began looking at Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Well, we looked at a few more, but I'll just uh, uh, do, do the first verse. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence of what we hope for, I, I love the word hope right there 's hope. Christians always are filled with hope. We always have hope uh, and assurance about what we do not see. How can you have assurance about what you can 't see right that doesn 't really make sense, but in in the life of faith, it does so uh, we said last week that we come to faith in christ and and that we don 't just live on the defensive right. I'm not just bat, you know, sitting there or taking life as it comes, but we are actually called to go on the offensive, on the faith offensive of life of building the kingdom of God, right? Matthew 28:18 through 20. Again, for the last eight months, I've quoted that, those verses, and I'm going to keep doing it, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the great commission. That's the call of the church. Uh, sort of, and, and in this conversation today and last week and today and going on, of, live, of faith, we want to live in an, the imaginative faithful prayer uh, about what God can do, what we can't see, right? Allowing the Holy Spirit to use our God-given imaginations to give us visions, right, uh, uh, you know, about what he can do in and through us as a church and as individuals, and then, we, and then we go on the offensive, we pray that into being, right? We lean into it, how he can create something out of nothing. Something that we may not see in our church or in our lives yet, but it can be become. Um, Deepening our spiritual formation, right? Overflowing in sharing Jesus with others. So we have spiritual formation leading into evangelism. Just an overflow, actually, a natural overflow. Like a tree, we used that image last week, like a tree growing down in its roots, up you know its branches going out and in 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 its width its girth right adding a ring a year you know making it stronger and providing the fruit of jesus to the to our community and the world around us and we said that as we grow in these things that we experience three things one uh, (coughs) a renewed belief in jesus and his mission for the church Right? Number two, a renewed attitude of servanthood in our time, our talent, and our treasures, everything that is about us. Right. And number three, and that's a lot of what we've been talking about, is a more strategic, outward-facing prayer effort. An offensive sort of, not offensive in like, it's, you know, slap you, but offensive in going forward, you know, like offense, defense, football, you know, blah, blah, blah. You got to be careful with these words. Anyway... Um, that's about as much as I know of football, and you guys know that. but (laughs) (laughs) But knowing that our faith is the means by which God works in the world. He's chosen to work through the church, right? We actively believe the promises of God to see something come from nothing, right? So we ended last Sunday with this sort of imaginative prayer time and Seeking what the Holy Spirit would say to us, uh, it, it's, you know two individuals about our church and about the life of this church. and a few of you shared. We, we shared we heard what Rachel um, shared in absentia, right? She shared this vision of God uh, beckoning us farther in down this path, right, further in faith, trusting Him, even though we feel like we're walking blind at times, right? We heard Alicia's vision for the church to be, uh, to uphold our cross-cultural missions effort, which, by the way, birthed a, uh, a prayer group for that, uh, this week. We've decided, Alicia and Julie are both going to be leading that, um, every first and third Sunday of the, of the month at 8:30 a.m. in this little room right here. They're going to come and they're going to pray over our missions partnerships. And you guys can do that, uh, with them if, if you'd like to join them. Um, I've got some books on Syria. I, my wife and I went to this uh, art show over at Haverford College, and so these are like Syria in ink. So the artist made all these drawings, and then they were selling this book as well um, about the story of this this person. I don't. I, my wife read it. I didn't read it. Uh, I should have read it. Um, but I'm going to give that to Julie. That's my gift to Julie and Alicia, so they can kind of understand because we have this partnership uh, with you know. Kind of dealing with Syrian refugees and Muslim refugees in, in Lebanon and things like that so um, so that that was pretty cool. We heard kathleen 's uh, vision of pursuing forgiveness in our church and how unforgiveness can actually hold us back. And she, uh, what did she say? She said, you know, not to allow allow bitterness to take root. She quoted Matthew 6, 12, you know, we forgive our debtors as we have been forgiven as well. And, and, uh, Isaiah 66, 13, she quoted, you know, as, as a mother comforts her child, God will comfort you as you walk this faith stuff out and everything. And that was pretty cool. We heard of Dick's gratitude of the church and a healthy, you know, this image of the healthy church walking with him as he had his recent trauma, his recent accident, and you know, and that was pretty cool. Uh, we heard about Todd and Kristen's uh, prayerful healing moment last week, and that was pretty pretty cool. And then afterwards, uh, Rob Schaefer shared with me via email uh, something that I wanted to put up on the screen for you today. It said he said. Sunday, towards the end of the service, my mind was moved towards the unqualified and how God is calling the unqualified among us. Think about what the vineyard says, right? Everybody gets to play. Um, He says, I think he's asking us to step out, to take risk for him in relationship, in prayer, and in listening and speaking, and just in showing up and letting him work through us. He wants us to partner in bringing his kingdom to earth even in what we may overlook and pass off as small ways, right? We are not too young. I love this part. We are not too young, too old, too quiet, too weird, too whatever, to engage in what he has for us. We were created by him to do great things for him, and he wants to remind us of that. Amen, right? We don't have to know everything or achieve a special level of spirituality to get started. That's not the point, right? Preach it, Rob, right? Uh, He wants us to, he should be up here. He wants us to seek his heart and his word and know him better in the process. But he also wants us doing stuff and trusting him as we go along. That was a good one, right? Amen. You know, as I, as I vision, you know, cast or I think about this place and, you know, pray about this place, I just see God growing this place. Not because I got some big head that I got to fill, you know, it was like, I really want the kingdom of God to just burst out in this community and and, uh, in the world, right? And I, you know, I, so I imagine this space redesigned. I imagine this building redesigned. I imagine us utilizing this space daily for ministry, daily for our community, right? More people being reached uh, with the gospel, you know, a, a, a full robust staff. People that are just here, you know, we have to pay them. We have to get them in place because we, we have so much going on, right? We, I, I, I envision us going to multiple services in the future because we just really want people to know Jesus and more and more people are coming into the room. That's what I want. I want more and more people to have freedom in Jesus. That's my hope. That's my vision, right? And I think that's Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20 again. I'm going to just keep beating that drum, right? <laughs> But today we continue this discussion um, by looking at Noah. See look, look at that. Got another text. What's going on, man? No. That's that's Belinda. She's her son is in the hospital getting a Everybody hear about this? Just pray for Seth. He's he's all right. He had a appendicitis so they had to take that out last night. So but he's he's a trooper, man. There's nothing can keep Seth down, right? So he's probably making jokes by his bed, you know, his bed right now. So but we continue this discussion today looking at uh, Hebrews 11 7 it says by faith Noah when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear like in you know just not not fear like oh but like in holy respect and awe he built an ark to save his family by his faith he condemned the world he brought conviction on the world right and he became heir of the, the righteousness that is in keeping with faith so Noah was one of the many uh, listed in Hebrews chapter 11 who acted in faith. He, he lived it out. Like Abraham, remember last week, uh, he didn't have very much to go on. We talked about Abraham a little bit, little bit right? He couldn't see the future. He lived by promise, but not, not by explanation. He didn't have all his little ducks in a row before he went out in faith. He risked it. He lived the promise, right? Now, part of his story is found in Genesis six, starting in verse thirteen. So God said to Noah, "I'm going to put an end to all people, Ooh. <laughs> for the earth is filled with violence because of them." Talk about justice. There is some justice in the world, right? Because you know, when violence and hatred and all this stuff takes over, it just—it is just. Uh, it's unruly it's just crazy it's hurtful I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth so make yourself an ark of cypress wood make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out this is how you are to build it the ark is to be 300 cubits long 50 cubits wide uh, 30 cubits high make a roof for it leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all around put a door in the side of the ark and make lower middle and upper decks and I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens every creature that has the has the breath of life in it everything on the earth will perish wow but i will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you you are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures male and female and to keep them alive with you two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. And here's the kicker verse. You know, this is a crazy plan. Crazy, wacky, wacky plan. And it says Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Not sure I would have. Not sure I would have. How often do we focus on our own churches and our own ministries and our own needs in such a way that, that excludes others who need Christ's saving message? Not a good question. Are we distracted from living life as missionaries to our own, you know, in our own homes, even with our own family, with, in our own jobs, in our own careers, within this community that we live, with our neighbors right around us? Are we distracted? Do we really understand and know and live out our purpose? When we look at the story of Noah, we see his barrier-breaking faith. We really do. We see, see that that results in his entire family being saved. And, and my question to us is, what would it look like if our church got to that next level? Now, that's not a criticism, some people say, well, how do you, you're, we're not good enough yet. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying we are always progressing forward. We are always growing in our faith. We're always going to have to grow, right? So how, what, what does it look like if our church got to the next level of faith through focusing on helping others jump in the ark with us? You know, viewing 6-8 as sort of the ark in this community, inviting people into the ex- to experience the peace and the joy and the hope and the freedom of Jesus. Barrier-breaking faith believes what hasn't happened yet, and it acts accordingly. It believes what haven't, hasn't happened yet, and it acts accordingly. God, you know, instructed Noah to build that ark, right, for an impending flood, Uh, you know, despite some scholars even believe that rain may not have fallen on on, on the earth before Noah or prior to Noah. And most certainly there was no flood, right? So Noah lived, if you think about it, in this crazy time, this godless, wacky, immoral time. And and God describes it in Genesis 6, 5. He says, and I love this. This is crazy uh, convicting. He says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart, was only evil all the time. Let me say that twice, right? Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were only evil all the time. That's a pretty condemning statement. It's pretty comprehensive. You can't get more comprehensive than that. You know, we think that we live in a godless time. You know, we we might get pretty discouraged when we look at it on the world. We think we live in a pretty godless time. But Noah's was worse. Noah's was worse. But verse 8 says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He He was distinct and different than everybody else. This was an amazing, an amazing man of faith. An amazing man of faith. Living in a time where every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were only evil all the time, Noah's was inclined towards faith, inclined towards God. He looked someplace else. He had very little, if anything, probably not anything, to look around and say, boy, that gives me hope. Oh, I see some forgiveness and the reconciliation in those people over there. That gives me hope. No, he didn't have that. Every inclination of the human heart was only evil all the time. No hope. Like Abraham, you know, in Romans 4, chapter 4, he's who against all hope in hope believed. Remember that statement last week? Against all hope, in hope, believed. That's the steel that we have in our spines as, as believers. Noah did the same as Abraham, right? Against all hope, in hope, he believed. And those are our faith models. And we need those people. They're our faith models, right? People who didn't look around at their circumstances, their situations, they didn't look at all the craziness around them, but they looked up to God's promises, and then they acted accordingly. They lived their life in light of God's promises. Not what they saw that right around them. That's hard to do, isn't it? They believed in something before they could see it think about that it 's a little bit difficult isn 't that the creative nature of god isn 't that the creative uh, crea- creative spirit of god right it, it, and isn 't that how anything worthy gets created? We were sitting around last night with a few guys, and we were talking about Mount Rushmore, like who in the world looks at a mountain and says i 'm going to carve you know a bunch of guys up there like five hundred feet high like that like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty arrogant guy, right? But I, am not sure I would do that. I'm not sure I would say, boy, I could do that, right? How would you like, that's nuts, but it came from a vision. Something he couldn't see finally is now seen. You know, I always, I love you guys know if you've been around here before, I've used this before, but Antoni Gaudi, Gaudi, I went to Spain. I saw, I climbed this thing, right? It was incredible in his imagination. He birthed the temple, and let me say that. I'm sorry, Krista, if I butcher Spanish. Like, Temple Expiatore de la Sagrada Familia. How was that? Amen, right? I even had a little bit of the accent in Barcelona, Spain. Uh, if you ever get a chance, go see this thing. It is absolutely phenomenal, and it's not done, right? Um, where am I? <laughs> but it's an incredible feat of architectural prowess. It was. It, it's something that he didn't even see come to fruition. He died a quarter way into it. He got hit by a streetcar, poor guy, right? That's kind of comical if you think about it. <laughs> he was going across the street, I think to it, and it got hit by a streetcar. Went quick, that's, that's all right. But, you know, a quarter way into this project, he dies, and it's still being constructed today. It started in the 1800s. I think, I think it was 1882, if I'm not mistaken. But, it's had its roadblocks, its setbacks, you know, it's had theft, it's had fire, it's had the community gets upset, and you know, all this turmoil surrounding. It. But in the end, that thing stands as a great testimony to the imaginative spirit of, human, uh, of humankind reflecting sort of this creative character of God. Something that God can do through us. And God calls us to imagine what the church could do in, in our lives, in the life of our local community, and in the life of the world around us, over in Lebanon, over in Syria, over in Morocco, and all these places in Indonesia, places like that, that we have our influence. To imagine something not yet there, but can be. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that, right? I imagine the church among the Lampungese. That's why I served there nine years. I love, I love that vision. It's going to happen. You know why I know that? Revelation chapter 5, 7, and 9. That's why I know that. I, you know, I can't say that I can really be clear that, that the Bible is really fully clear on how long it took Noah to build that ark. Some people say it's 120 years. Some people say it's 75 or around there. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter how long. It, it was a long time. <laughs> what matters is that this guy heard this promise and then he sat there and he, and he built this thing in an arid climate for decades under constant berating, uh, constant ridicule. I, I kind of like my reputation. I don't like to look like the weirdo. If Noah didn't struggle deeply with, you know, doubt during that time, and often, he'd be a much better than man than me. I, I could only imagine sitting there with your wife at night, laying there in bed, you know, talking and, and, and saying, you know, tell me again why I'm doing this. Because this is nuts. Did God really say this to me? <laughs> right? Maybe they're all right. Maybe this Jesus thing isn't really real. Listen to it. What's his name? Yeah, like you're going to be able to answer me, right? Old comedian from the 70s. Who? Yeah, George Carlin. He's just denouncing Christ, denouncing God. and I just like, you poor soul. You poor soul. Sad. But anyway, I could sit there and doubt but I choose to believe. Have you ever believed God for something, but it took years to come about, or maybe it's not even come about. Maybe you've been praying for someone for years and years and years, and, and they've not even had that aha moment with Jesus yet. And you feel like giving up. You know, maybe you've worked for years to see your calling come to fruition, but you've had setback after setback after setback before it actually stuck and something happened. God says to this church, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them and blah, 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 you know, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And we we pray for people and we take risk and we share Jesus with them in word and deed and all that stuff. And sometimes it seems not to really make a difference. You know, we sit by and we watch our loved ones and our friends make horrific life choices which just bring them more bondage, and we get discouraged about that. We see people refusing to get in the ark, and it's hard, but some do, and sometimes they come like crazy. You know, whose faith was stronger, Noah, who heard those words and was building that ark, or his family that was following Noah into the ark? I'm not sure whose faith was, was stronger, Right? The power, now listen to this carefully. The power to believe what hasn't happened yet, responding in both trust and obedience for decades, is what God used to save mankind. Let me. That's worthy of a second read. The power to believe what hasn't happened yet, Responding in both trust and obedience for decades is what God used to save mankind. Amen. God wants us to have this same sort of visionary faith, right? To hope and obey even when we don't immediately see his work coming to fruition all around us. This is is hard work, kingdom work. God called Noah to swing the hammer and invite others in, and God would do everything else. He'd bring the animals. He'd bring the rain. You get the food, I'll bring the animals, right? You know, in the 1960s, Indonesia had a huge people movement from the Javanese. The Javanese, I think, are a 48 million large uh, a people group of 48 million Muslims. And they had a huge people movement from, uh, to Christ. Just, you know, overnight the result and that that was a result of all the the decades and years of foundational work of other Christians and and missionaries, you know, sharing the gospel, paving, you know, tilling that ground for years and years and years. You know, the Christians had been swinging the hammer, building the ark, you know, building that boat for decades with almost nothing before that. And then the political and the social climate changed such that uh, millions of Javanese came to faith almost overnight. And the ark of the church was filled up. And now, those people and their descendants who I worked with, and I moved a bunch, of, a boatload of them up to Java or to, to uh, Aceh when the tsunami happened, and we started working. Before that, they couldn't be in Aceh, they didn't allow Christians up there. Amen. Amen. Now they're all up there and they're working. All their descendants are still up there working, doing this kingdom work. And they're now seeing more people than ever come to faith in, in you know, once again among Muslims in the largest Muslim country in the world. Amen to that. Amen. You know, we work in, in the hope of Christ, which never dies. Never dies. I just read this uh, in... Um, a book I'm reading, Winston Churchill was bu- was buried in St. Paul's Cathedral, right? and, uh, and, and when he was buried there, um, a, at the end of the funeral, a, a bugler, not a, I read it as burglar at first, I'm like, why, why did they put a burglar up there? <laughs> you know how you do that? You look at the word, but yeah, anyway, but a bugler went up into the back of the church, up in the dome, and he played taps on the bugle. And Taps is the tune which signifies that the day is done, that death is there, right? It's, it's like darkness has fallen. Appropriate song at the end of a funeral, right? But when he had finished that, another burglar <laughs> got up in the front of the dome and he played Reveille, right? You guys can do this at my funeral. Uh, and that is the tune which signifies it's time to get up it's time to go to battle it's time to you know like rise up right that's pretty cool uh even in death we are not defeated right we god's in the business of raising the dead we remember churchill's speech right we quoted it a few weeks back where it started never 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 give in oh what a great speech no matter what happens, right? That's the call to the church. Keep going no matter what happens, what the climate looks like, or all around you. Go and make disciples of all nations, and I will be with you to the very ends of the age. Matthew twenty eight, eighteen through twenty. That's our call. Barrier breaking faith shows others how to be delivered. It shows others how to be delivered. You know, Noah's testimony um, over the decades of building that ark demonstrated faithful obedience to God's commands. His whole life was just a testimony of this. And the ark was completed, and and the vehicle of deliverance showed Noah's family who the true God really was. They had no doubts. His faith and obedience achieve the mechanism of salvation for them as our, and as our faith and our obedience will also result in others around us, knowing Christ, seeing the true rescue in Jesus, right? You know, his work on the cross, saving us from sins, conquering death and sin, standing in our place. The Lampungese that, uh, you know, this Muslim people group in South Sumatra and in Indonesia where Kim and I served for, for nine years, uh, they had this belief. Uh, they had this belief that um, this ship would come back at the end of time and take them all to uh, to heaven. Isn't that a cool belief? And these are this is called a kain kapal. It's uh, the ship claws of Lampung. Usually they're really big and really ornate and all this stuff. This was given to us when we left Indonesia, and it's just really a cool idea that they had. This 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 uh, story in their culture that God would send this giant ship they'd all pile into it and then they would go to heaven together. Isn't that cool? Um, I told them about Jesus all the time and I used that story. In the story of Noah we see the redemption of Jesus. He's the ship which comes to save us to, to bring us across the floodwaters to life anew. When we climb aboard the body of Christ, He's our safe passage through all the waters of suffering and death. Suffering as we go through life now and death when we face our mortality. I you know, and I shared that with my Long Pongese friends over and over and over again, and I know that it never went out void. Something stuck there. I not that they just like, whoa follow right now. They didn't do that. But I know something happened. I know something happened. It's my responsibility to do it. I can't worry about the results. But remember, the gospel isn't just about our mortality, right? Crossing from death to life in the sense of our mortality. It's about kingdom life now. That that was Rob's vision that we talked about in the beginning, right? Following God in his promises, even when we don't see why. We don't fully understand why. We live without explanation. We live in faith. If we want abundant life now, we choose the path of Jesus. And this is why I said that uh, what, uh, Donna's words were, were prophetic um, during the announcements there. Because this is the same thing. If we, if we want abundant life now, then we choose uh, the path of Jesus right now. Nothing else. Nothing else. I've asked so many people in ministry, where do you want to be in 10 years? Right? Where do you want to be in yours? You know, uh, their answer is always, well, I want to be peaceful and content and, you know, and I, I, I want to have a family or whatever. You know, it's always good stuff. Right? Nobody just, you know, nobody's ever come to me and said, well, I'd love to be divorced. I'd love to be saddled with debt. I'd love to be really lonely and depressed. Right? We don't say those things. Since our souls long for God, they long for healthy community and connection with others. That's what our souls long for. So I I always gently ask, are the choices that you're making right now leading towards those life-giving things? Sadly, most people answer, no, they're not. But it's something to think about, right? Remember, God's ceremonial and civil laws were fulfilled in Christ. That's why we don't do all that weird stuff from the Old Testament. But his moral law always stands. I may look, like a mess, but I'm a pretty conservative dude in my morality because the scriptures call me to that. Right? His moral law still stands. Faith is a walk of purity. It is a pursuit of holiness as according to the scriptures. We're made new in Christ. I am once in Jesus, always in Jesus. I'm a firm believer in that, but we aren't perfect yet, right? We aren't. We're being spiritually formed into Christ's likeness over time with every little choice we make and every little thought that we entertain. Everyone's being formed either towards or away from Jesus all the time. It's about choices. It's about our obedience, our choice to be, be obedient to Christ. The people surrounding Noah, right, had trained their their will, their minds, their emotions, their bodies to follow the desires of self. That's what they trained themselves to. And as a result, the world was full of violence. Full of violence. Their souls were dead. The world was full of sin, full of wickedness, full of violence, and they were just the walking dead. Their souls were dead. Jesus has given us everything that we need, everything that we need to walk in victory with him over our feelings, over our desires, over our crooked wills. Even, he, even the power to train our bodies to desire good things for us. Potato chips don't fall in that category. They're always good for me. I'm just kidding. I have my struggles, right? And I have to choose good things in life. Jesus has given us all we need to walk in that victory over all these things. Our soul, which ties our bodies and our will and our minds and our, you know, our feelings and our desires and all that, uh, you know, our bodies, all this stuff, longs for God. Our soul longs for God all the time. Psalm forty-two, one says, As the deer pants for water, for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Deer running through the forest, right? Like, like all like, you know, and he gets to a stream and, you know, he doesn't go, and that's it. I mean, he sucks it up, Right? He wants that water. He needs it. That's the way my soul longs for God. Always. But we do, we wound it. We deny it. Life giving stuff. We wound it with every unholy choice that we make. That's why purity and holiness is paramount for the Christian. Because actions have consequences, don't they? Right? A simple axiom of life. Actions have consequences. You do A, B happens. But although simple choices, like good choices, are simple in nature, they're not always that easy, are they? Potato chips are hard for me. Ice cream. Pralines and cream. oh, That's hard for me. (laughs) Right? You know... They're they're hard decisions to make sometimes, as Paul describes in Romans 7. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, the good that I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. You hear him in that? We all live that, don't we? We all feel that. Just remember, spiritual decay or spiritual entropy is a result of constant disobedience. And it's never in really one big, giant, large, one decision. This is important to listen to, right? Spiritually healthy people, spiritually healthy people do not wake up one day and their wife snaps at them and they go out and have an affair. Spiritually healthy people don't just make that decision right there. That's not what happens. These decisions are a result of a myriad of smaller decisions, smaller attitudes which build up, you know, on each other like ounces on my waistline. And eventually ounces make pounds, don't they? And then they produce joint pain and they produce diabetes of the soul, right? Spiritual unhealthiness overflows just as spiritual health overflows, but in sinful, hurtful, degrading ways. That's why purity and holiness is important. And why do we do that? Why do we not make those decisions? Because we've, we've, we've given up hope. We don't have hope. We give up. Oh, it's too hard. It's too hard. We've forfeited the hope that we have in Christ, and we've chosen disobedience in really a million little small ways rather than life getting, giving obedience, rather than doing the work to see what God will do. Right? God's moral law isn't a stick to be hit with, it is a nourishing meal to be consumed. It brings you life, it brings health to your soul. How's your soul? Rob asked us that this Thursday morning, the guys at breakfast, "How's your soul?" And we talked about that together. We have a booklet, I think, out there in the in the the thing. How's your soul? Um, Phil Phil Strout. <laughs> Somebody knows me, Strout. Uh, <laughs> Phil Phil Strout wrote that booklet because it's an important question. How's your soul? Right. I've lost myself again. <laughs> Um, Paul says before this in Romans 6, 11 through 14, he says in the same, this is a great verse to memorize. By the way, this helps you fight. There's a spiritual battle. It helps you fight, right? In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. When I was a new believer, that verse is one of like five that just helped me get through the day sometimes, Right? In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Romans 12 says the same, same thing, right? Verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, you are under grace. Grace is our power. It is our blessing. It is the steel rod in our back against all this stuff. And we, my friends, are a living testimony to Christ. We are a living testimony to Christ. And so if we don't work on our spiritual lives, be spiritually formed towards Christ, if we vacillate in faith, if if we are emotionally fragile with everything that hits us, if we are easily given into temptation, and this is all the stuff that Donna was saying, our witness is hindered. Have we done the work? Have we done the work of submitting ourselves to Jesus day in and day out? Like growing trees, right? Adding to our depth with our roots going down. Adding to our height and our our branches going out. Adding to our girth as every year a ring gets added. That's slow growth. Solid, slow growth. Not a flash in the pan. This is serious stuff, right? This is, this is uh, grown-up stuff. It's not kid stuff. This is not McDonald's. This is meat and potatoes, right? Allowing him to root us by the river in order that, you know, it, that it doesn't matter what's going on all around us. The arid climate, you know, whatever it is, the winds blow, whatever, the storms come, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the outside climate is. We stand firm and we stand well fed in Jesus. And the world needs that. The world needs people that are rooted in Jesus. The world needs its faith models. We need Hebrews 11. Barrier-breaking faith Exposes the world, it convicts the world, and it receives righteousness. Noah's faithful obedience, his faithful obedience condemned, it convicted the sin wrecked world around him. It really did. Showing that rebellion against God re- results in destruction. It does. I know those aren't popular words these days, but th- it does. But obedience to God results in salvation. And salvation not just from, you know, the grave, but salvation in the crazy things that torment me day in and day out. Right? Second Peter 2 Peter 2.5 speaks again of Noah's salvation in comparison to those who have given themselves over totally to desire. And second Peter 2 Peter nine says, The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and and here's the, here it is to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment there is a judgment we can avoid that by walking well with Jesus right by being in the ark Responding to to God in faith leads to wholeness and salvation. Denial of God leads to destruction. It is a simple axiom of life. It is something that that is true now, will always be true. A thousand years from now it'll it'll be still be true. It was uh, true thousands and thousands of years ago. It'll always be true. And our faith becomes the signpost. That the Holy Spirit uses to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And sometimes that's not too pretty. Sometimes it's very beautiful. The Spirit of God calls us to, to persist, to keep going and doing good, you know, not give up in our pursuit of holiness, our pursuit of purity, and proving ourselves worthy of the calling we received. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. We're like John the Baptist, right? proclaiming, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that is an absolutely worthy task to live up to. And we've been given, like I've said, all we need to do so. We've been given the word of God. We've been given Jesus' powerful work on the cross and his rising from the grave. And we've been given his own Holy Spirit. Right? Right? John 16:7 through 11 says, but verily truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the person of the Holy Spirit, right? The advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will provide the world to be prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Christ has done the work, right? You know, they say the average American now lives with more stress than the 1950s psych ward patient. We're all crazy. We're all nuts, (laughs) right? Everyone's full of anxiety. Everyone's overly medicated whether or not that is a pill from the doctor or a glass of wine at night. We're overly medicated. We are filling our souls with things that are detrimental or too much of a good thing, which is also detrimental. It takes, those, it, it, it takes those of us who found the answer in Christ to proclaim to, to all of those out there, both in word and deed, the only way of salvation and the only way to full victorious life right now is to climb into the ark of Christ. That's the only way. There is no other way. That's what the scriptures teach. The work is done, has been done for us. Now, we just are called to live the life of Christ out with others, before others. And no matter what they say, no matter what George Carlin says, we are a conviction to them. We are. And hopefully, that leads to salvation and freedom for them, but it may not. There are many people who will refuse to get in the boat. You know, they just will refuse. So to apply this, barrier-breaking faith can result in the salvation of others when we, number one, faithfully uh, trust God can accomplish the impossible. Is there somebody in your life that seems impossible? God can. Number two, that we faithfully obey the commandments of Jesus to model to others who the true source of salvation is. And that takes walking in holiness walking in purity and walking uh, in in loving action and word. Number three, that we faithfully model and proclaim the good news of Jesus, sharing our lives and our Savior with others around us who are destined, and I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it, who are destined towards destruction apart from Jesus. That is a truth of Scripture. It's not something that we preach anymore these days. You don't hear that from the pulpit that much, but we need to say it because it is a truth. What stands in the way of all that? Dallas Willard, in this book I'm reading, Dallas Willard said, hurry is the great um, enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That That one little thing makes a lot of sense to me, right? I feel that when he says that. I agree with it. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You don't have to do all the things that you're doing. You really don't. I agree with that, right? The question is, will we put down the hurry? Will we put down the trinkets and the toys and the distractions which keep us from being so spiritually formed in Jesus that we become naturally supernatural to other people, right? That we just overflow hope in the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, 13. That it just comes out of us, no matter what we do. I can't help but, oh, I got a little Jesus on you. Sorry about that. You you brush up against me, you get Jesus on you. Amen? That's what I want. Will we view, uh, in the view of God's mercy, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, as a true and proper worship of our life, right? Not conforming to the patterns of this world, but being transformed in the renewing of our mind, becoming able to test what, uh, what God's good and pleasing and perfect will is. That's Romans twelve one and 2, right? Will we live like that? And we do have this unique Opportunity right now before us in this 40 days of prayer and fasting to actually pursue Jesus at a greater level, to go deeper. Like if you've never fasted, it is a good practice. It seems weird, but it actually does something for you. And they even say that physically it resets your system. There's something that God has called us to do in these things, in these practices, and it's wonderful. So stick around today after the service, right after the service, by the way, because Rachel's got something to do later. But let Rachel walk you through how fasting and prayer can look in that 40-day period. Don't, don't forget to grab the books. There's, they're all, like, put together, the books and, the, and, and printouts and all that stuff. You know, um, but let's lean into this creative, imaginative, trusting faith of the Lord, right? Let's, let's, let's go on the offensive For Jesus not just reacting to life as it hits me right but let's actually pray into what God wants to create what God wants to do let's ruthlessly eliminate hurry let's model faith to each other and to our kids and to our community in order that more and more and more people will jump on the ark of salvation and find life among us uh, abundant among us right that they will just know Jesus by the way uh, Kim, d- during the Vacation Bible Club or camp this, this summer, is going to be using this book, Imaginative Prayer. If you're a, kid, if you're a mom and dad and you've uh, uh, signed your kid up but you don't have one of these books, they're back there on top of the fridge. Um, but this is the kind of stuff f- written for kids. My friend uh, Kurt does a whatever in this thing. Um, and so does Rich Nathan from the Vineyard. You know, people like that. So it's just a really cool book. Um, and it teaches our kids how to lean forward in faith, how to really love, uh, you know, being uh, offensive, like going on the offensive in, in their prayer life. So that's going to be cool to see what our kids do with that. They're going to outpray you guys. They're going to come home. They are. I guarantee you, your kids are going to come home, and they're going to come home, and you're going to be like, what in the world? i got to catch up, you know? Like, amen. You should have to catch up, you know? So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are here, that you, that you are uh, leading us in this whole thing. Thank you that you are pushing us forward. Thank you for that challenge. Thank you for those wonderful moments where we realize, man, we've got to walk in faith. We've got to be courageous in this. We've got to walk outwardly in this, Father. We've got to share you, with others. And we, we pray that you would give us all the things that we need. We know that they're all there. I just pray that you would put, us, put, like, put them in our hands and open our eyes to see them there. And that uh, over the next year that we can train and, and talk about these well and share our stories and we'll see more and more um, things come to fruition. We thank you for that.